Welcome to Bruin Source. This is Isaiah. This is Ed. And we are back after, I would say, two big lumps. Well, one was even bigger than the other. Two lumps in the desert that we took. Um, and a road victory against uh, a pesky team up in Palo Alto. But here we are. Bruins are back. Here we are. Here we are. Um, Yeah, fuck the state of Arizona. I think that's the sum up. I don't think we need to say anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, looking back at those two games, um, it was funny. Like, you know, Arizona is obviously a historic rival in basketball. I don't like them. Um, I don't like their fans even more than their actual team sometimes. Uh, like their fans. Um, let's just say I've heard their fans say some very unsavory things in Poly Pavilion, so I can't imagine what they're saying in McHale Center. But um, very, very inappropriate things um, to come out of grown you know, adults' mouths, but I don't like their fans, and um, I don't like their team, but, you know, they they beat us fair and square. I I wasn't as frustrated with that, that loss. Um, what about, what about you? Like, you know, I, <clears throat> I think the game, again, we can say this is, as Arizona said it, uh, when they played us, was, Oh, our one of our biggest starters was hurt, you know, and he came off the bench in Pauly. But I think the game is different if we have Clark. Uh, I think we just got dominated down low. And I think we talked about this, you know, before, and we did talk about this. Like, we did get in, we got within close, but what was disappointing was just our big men play, and I think that's going to be a factor going down. Um, and we're going to need improvement there uh, because their bigs really dominated and set the tone. And kept them, you know, kept them in it. Like, the fact that their bigs were just at the free throw line constantly um, just didn't put us in a good place and a tough environment to pull off, uh, come back, and, and, and possibly do something which is tough for any team to do and win in Mikel, uh against that team, which has incredible length. So um, I, I, I do agree with you. It was great to see adjustments in the second half. Um <clears throat> And, you know, Hawkes hits that layup, and we're within three with, what, three minutes and some change. But, again, what happened after with, you know, Tiger's foul and even then being within six and then the two consecutive missed jumpers by Riley, and then he fouls after the second miss. Um, and just even their missed free throws, like we just had so many opportunities to, to still keep it competitive and get in get within and and we just missed that you know and it it was one of those games it was frustrating we were like okay we're climbing back let's try to pull something off here and we weren't able to but I felt the same way I mean we went into the game thinking like okay this is going to be Arizona's payback and players like Kerr uh Creasa was not going to have the same game that he had in Pauly we knew that and same with Benedict uh and 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 we got that Uh, unfortunately we just weren't able to come out with a win and you know the the fans stuck it to us, not just the fans, and and stuck maybe no pun intended, but there was a little bit after 
drama with the game, you know, after after play. And I was more mad about that than the actual loss. Like I, I completely agree with everything you said. Like we, what I at least saw was we played really hard in the second half and almost climbed back and and could have you know at least tied or taken uh, taken that game at the the very end with a couple minutes left but you know in that in that arena it's it's a lot harder to do but I wasn't as mad just because I saw the effort and some execution at the end um but the after game antics um and activities really uh really were were more of a bummer to me than anything and left me with more of a negative take on Arizona uh, than ever before. Yeah, it just, it came off as, obviously, first of all, I, I think this goes without saying, like, you don't spit on anyone, whether you're a fan or a player. It's just, it is... Uh, it's against the rules, and it's and disgusting. It's disgusting. It's not a good character trait to have, and it's something that needs to be addressed. You know, and however UCLA does that, we we've said this before. We'll sum it up again. Mac needs to be reprimanded, whether that's suspended, um, dealt with internally, also issuing a public apology, making sure whoever he 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 threw a loogie at um, is is acknowledged, right and. Uh, and that's that's the situation. That's sports. That's what's happened. If anybody's looked throughout sports in terms of modern times when reporting, that's how these things have been handled, whether it's fans or players both ways um, throughout the country. Now, to be, quote unquote, arrested um, for, this, you know, someone to say they want to press charges uh, it just and then obviously to have the local media beat writers go ahead and also stoke the flames on this or exaggerate what exactly happened before the facts appear just tells me like it just sums up how spiteful and bitter Arizona is and how how much we get under their skin just in our existence like I you know we we don't like Arizona in terms of our rivalry, but they really have some type of complex. It's it's I've mentioned the little brother complex before, but it, it runs deep with that school. And so I felt just a lot of spite in terms of like, okay, you guys really want to send a message by um quote unquote arresting and citing him for that and and laying back on like it's the law and whatnot. And yes it is you know, technically his right, the kid's right to press charges or whatnot, but it just, it speaks volumes in terms of where they sit in this rivalry, and good for them for giving, getting that L, but we also know at the same time, Arizona's not going to go deep in the tournament, we don't expect them to, um, it's just their nature, but uh, tough game, I mean, the antics after on both sides have actually took away, <laughs> like you said, from the, I think you said this to me, it was like, seems like this is now clouded. Like, this is the headline. It wasn't even the win over a number three UCLA team. It was the arrest, or the quote-unquote arrest. Because Yeah, it's, it, it, I, I totally agree. It, it, it definitely took away the headline of their own win, which is kind of funny. Um, I think what was frustrating was just, like, how the media was handling this whole thing and how the public perception around it. I go back to um, earlier this season and Paolo Bancaro getting um, and his teammate both got stopped 
his teammate who was driving the car got arrested for a DWI. Um, and Paolo Banquero got cited. I don't think he got actually arrested, but got cited for um, aiding and abetting a DWI. And I, I, in my opinion, that is a significantly um, more dangerous crime than what Matt Gattian did. Yes, I understand there's a global pandemic. I understand he's spit. I, that is unsanitary and disgusting. Like, there, again, no, no excuse for him. He should be punished. He should hopefully learn and grow from this. He is still very young, and I think he can, he can come back from this. But um, one, the point about the pandemic, I feel like it's a moot point only because, A, if you looked at McHale Center, like, nobody was wearing a mask, and B, he's also been tested, so you can't say that he's posing a public health risk and trying to purposely infect anybody. I think that's ridiculous. But going back to Ben Caro, he gotten like that's a pretty I, I think very dangerous thing to do, very reckless, very immature, and you know what happened with him? Absolutely fucking nothing. <laughs> like Duke, Duke basically said we are handling this internally, and nobody asked questions about it ever again. The kid played the next game, like yeah, he, he didn't did. even serve a suspension, um, and and everyone just moved on the next day like no one cared and this feels like much ado about nothing with mac as well it's he did something bad he did something stupid but not something irreparably stupid where he you know physically hurt somebody or you know said something you know racist or anything like that uh, he, he's I, I i i get i get you saying that you know obviously the fans, I think it speaks to my point. Like they stretched this thing to the degree that it necessarily Absolutely. didn't need to, and it and it came off, um, you know, with a little bit of vile intentions in terms of, um, you know, there's a sort of thing when you, you're judging a reaction from a, a, an action that happens, action him being spitting, and then the reaction there is like, how do we, how do we judge those who receive that action? And I can say confidently that. I think it was a bit of an overreaction from the person who... We don't even know if the spit landed on anyone. We don't. It's all an allegation. That's the issue I have. And their media and their fans ran away with it, just saying, arrest the kid. Um, I got to say, one of the funny things that I saw was, like, send them to ASU. <laughs> I, thought that, <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good spin. Uh, when ASU, you know, <laughs> somehow took some took some strays and throughout the whole comment. So that was probably the best one. Um, but again, it, it was, it was bizarre, the whole thing. And not to say that we want to say that like Duke is the standard for, you know, more no. high ground, but I, I, to your point is like, there's much worse that's happened throughout uh, college. I mean, through college sports. Um, and not to say that it was handled appropriately, but this one, I, we do agree just went way too far in terms of the reaction. Um, the other thing, just to give you an example, uh, different, Different dynamics, but a little similar was the fans spat spat on Oregon coaches back in 2014. 
the coaches declined to press charges. Why? Because they understood the nature of the event. They were upset. They What they did is, like adults, handled the situation appropriately, had the kids apologize, and they moved on to the next game. Um, they didn't make the kids, you know, have to face a $500 fine um, or possibly be detained um, for a misdemeanor, a uh, level three misdemeanor. It is just completely like just bizarre um and it just speaks to arizona's own just narcissism and little like self-absorbed world they're in and and their just spitefulness of just not being able to have success that's not something they do if if they're a program who wasn't on a six game lose streak losing streak to us i really believe that um i think if that happens they they just move on and, and to the next thing. And I say that as obviously there's an individual actor in here who decided to press charges and this is how it came about. And Mac had no business doing that. And he just foolishly, like an idiot, did it in front of officers. So, of course, everything's going to happen with procedure and took place. But it was pretty silly to see things continue to go forward on our end. From our perspective. Yeah, I... I agree, but anyways, moving moving on um, to Tempe, Arizona, which was the more frustrating game of the two, in my opinion. Um, we had no business losing this fucking game, like none <clears throat> whatsoever, and it was. Uh, it felt like a pure meltdown. Like, uh, just to be very, very, very clear, Arizona State is not a good team. There is on no earth where you can make an argument that Arizona State is a, a good team or a solid team or even a mediocre team. They are a bad team. Like, plain and simple. They're like quad five status right now. Like, there's... There's no chance in hell they can even sneak into the tournament. There's, they were literally like in last place of the Pac-12. Um, and to lose that game was, I, I think when we're, if we look back on this season at the at very end, regardless of what happens going forward, um, and if we don't win the Pac-12, and if we don't you know, make a deep run, we're going to look back at this weekend and be like, this is what doomed us. Because it's going to screw up our seating. It's going to screw up, um, like, our our morale. Like, it just, there were so many things that went wrong here that I just, I don't even want to think about it. But it was just, like, I wanted to chuck my TV out the window uh, while I was watching that game. Like, truly, just, it, it just mind-bogglingly bad basketball um I was just confused I mean you know I actually took this game I, I woke up the next day and I summed it up as Mick Cronin Mick Cronin's worst coach game since he's been at UCLA easily um and I am going to give him this one loss of the season um, because he clearly it, – it was, it was one of those games where we were just flustered. Like we had this Arizona ASU team who we knew the percentages, 28% from three. Uh, not a good shooting team. Uh, a lot of athletes who just weren't basketball players. And their best player wasn't on the floor. 
um, and he was hurt. So we knew we were playing, and we knew we were playing an Arizona State team that was hungry for a win, um, that played uh, Arizona tough until the last few minutes the the week prior, and you know, and then also gave USC somewhat of a a, a scare a couple times this season. So. But at the same time, as UCLA wants to be the program it wants to be, we should have went in and handled business, and we did it. And I really think, you know, with the players having a come down or losing an emotionally high charged up game two days before, you expect which at these moments, this is where we need Mick to shine and really trust his players because. Um, it, it it really was showing at the end of this game when we we're going into triple overtime that we just didn't have the legs against Arizona State and a big part of that was the rotations and uh, I really think that we leaned on six guys too much and we could have used the other three guys a lot more. Um, I thought that Riley, who obviously had a bad sequence at the end against Arizona, Arizona didn't do much better against here. And, you know, obviously he's going through a funk with his shooting. Um, uh, and and it just didn't do our players that much justice, especially when Juzang just clearly just hit eight ducks. I mean, didn't even hit eight ducks. Had eight ducks at the end. Tiger, you know, is, is trying his best to, to keep us in it. Um, but obviously didn't have a great shooting night. And Jules is back to the hot and cold jewels, both the cold jewels we know. And I really think that Watson and Kaiman could have helped in certain areas. Um, I think we need to trust Kaiman some more. That's that's one development that I think we're seeing throughout the season, especially what he's shown against Stanford and, you know, in, in other games, in the first game of Stanford. And I think Watson's length could have helped, especially in those extra periods uh, when it came to, you know, just who had fresh energy for getting that extra effort rebounds or defense. Um, I get it. Watson has had mental laps and, and the pass has gone through on a cut uh, past him. And there he does certain things that just are freshman mistakes. But I really, and then we also just moving on lastly, Miles Johnson seemed a lot more effective down low um, in, in the paint than Riley. And I, I think with Miles under play, uh, we don't kick it out to open miles because he's not on the elbow for a jumper, and that way um, we can run through a different offensive set that may increase our chance to get points and actually win this game. So with that said, like, yeah, this was a big game where I was just like, okay, what's going on, Mick? Um, and it led to our first road sweep during the Mick era. It's, it's not – I mean, it's inexcusable. It was- it was bad. Um, it was bad. And, and I think I'm going to use the, the big man conversation to segue into Stanford a little bit. Um, but I think your point about using Miles more really manifested itself against Stanford. Um, I, I have been a, you know, a defender of Cody Riley and a fan of Cody Riley. I know he gets a lot of hate and he's going through it right now. Um, he does not look like himself. He is not playing good basketball on either end of the court. Like he's not playing defense. He's not, you know, he's going through a shooting funk. He's not hitting his elbow jumper. He is not able to get to the, the basket right now. He's never been a leaper or a, a jump 
jumpy big man. He's been pretty floor-bound, but he's always been effective. But he's really struggling right now, and I, I think Miles is in many, many ways outplaying him. I feel, if you look at the plus-minus for the Miles against um, uh, Stanford, he was like plus-15, and I think Riley was like minus-2. So, you know, the, the, the minutes just need to be given to Miles until Cody kind of figures it out or gets back into playing shape, whatever it may be with him. But we did see that almost 50-50 split. I think it was 19 minutes to Miles uh, against Stanford, 21 again, uh, for Riley. And every time Miles Johnson was in the game against Stanford, we made a run. Um and would, you know, blow up in the lead to at least 10 points. That game was going back and forth for most of the night, and you put in Miles Johnson, and it just made the defense click so much better. His ability to actually plug up the paint, his ability to rebound, he had two or three very, very excellent offensive rebounds where he went up and got them or tipped them back out to open shooters. Um his his length just to even get back out onto the perimeter when you he needed to was much better than Cody's. Um, I just think at this juncture of the season, like Miles Johnson is playing the best basketball of of his uh, his UCLA um, career, and I, this is a, a middle finger to y'all who were uh, discounting him by game three. But the dude is playing very good basketball right now, and we need him to step up and keep doing that because he really is kind of like the the Jalen Hill of this season, and um, he's finally showing the ability to do that uh, for us, and he was key. Uh, So I'm a big proponent of more miles minutes until Cody Riley can at least even offensively get get going there. but jumping into Stan- Stanford a little bit, I mean, you know, going on the road like two days after uh, the the lost Arizona trip, uh, I was concerned. And we did not play our perfect game. Um, you know, we, we didn't defend super well for long stretches of the game. But every time Miles came in and every time Clark came in, because it was uh, Clark's first game back in what seems like a year. Um, and it was awesome to see him. Every time both those guys came in, our defensive like effort and uh, capability just increased tenfold. Um, it was a joy watching my uh, Jalen Clark lock up Harrison Ingram for parts of that game. Uh, and Ingram is a very good player as a freshman for Stanford and was just going off like he was getting everything. And Clark came in and just Ingram could not do anything against him. And it was it was great to see him do that. Um, and, you know, Johnny, Johnny went nuclear again. He could not miss for long stretches of that game. Uh, and Tiger, again, just orchestrated the, the offense incredibly well. Um, Jaime looked a little bit better. I think he he looks like he's going through spurts of games where he like puts more weight on his ankle and can push off, and then parts of it he just kind of tries to let it rest. 
he's clearly not 100% healthy, but he's still, you know, a very effective player. Um, and, and amongst those guys, we were able to, to win against Stanford on the road after a letdown weekend or week. Um, so that, it was good to see that bounce back. Um, it was also really great to hear the UCLA fans at Maple Stadium basically make it sound like a home game. Uh, shout out to all the Bruins that were, were there making, making noise because uh, uh, that was fun. That includes our, uh, our three friends that made it out who yeah. are very big. Yeah. Um, well, I don't want to say all three of them. Uh, two of them are, are big pessimists. Other ones are realists and our own very own you know, guest, Kevin. Balaji, I said his whole government, but yeah, it was great to see. I think it was funny, you know, here in UCLA and Stanford, you know, I, I know a quick note, I think you did a great job covering um, everything. And, and it was interesting. Uh, one thing I'll say is that it was interesting hearing the announcer say, you know, that Tiger reminds him a little bit of Chris Paul's tempo and how he controls offense, because that's something I've said before. And I think you can see that, like, especially, but it, now you see he hits these elbow jumpers and he, he rolls through on the offense and that confidence is just ticking. Um, it was good to see Tiger bounce back after two two tough games. Um, and that's something, you know, we'll continue to see with these players, I think. And hopefully they can turn it on. Uh, but the, the big question mark coming out of this game is Riley. It was his worst game, as you said. Um, with that in, and also just giving that a little bit of color is that, again, this guy, his timeline has been different for this season. So hopefully, uh, you know, in a month, it, things are a little bit, a bit better with him in terms of his flow. But what I think needs to stop and what we need for Ju Zhang as well, which happens and didn't happen in Stanford, which I was very happy about, is that. It feels like during the Arizona game, until they stop playing for the scouts and they force things, um, we're gonna have these like these mid-game uh, moments where the team has these stretches where the team does catch up because one of our players made a bad play. That's what it felt like with Riley. Less this game than the other two, but it felt like Riley was playing because he had to get that play, you know, for tape. I don't know if that if that's what you felt. And I know you're a big Riley proponent. I think he's done great things for us throughout his UCLA career and I love his comeback since um since the whole you know, his whole storyline. But I, I, I think he needs to settle down and just play along with the team, um, a little bit more and uh and then also just pick up the effort and that might be conditioning as well. I know it's been a month now since his return, but again, it's only a month versus where Miles has been playing the whole season. So I, I think Riley, you know, even if he has good tapes and in the end of February and March, he's fine. And I think he needs to just settle in in the system more so, uh, but he'll get there. Um, I'm confident he will. The other thing I, I'd seen with this game was that Kaiman. <laughs> Kaiman came in and uh, he he was able to get a point for us and we trust him a little bit but he got yanked after there was like some foul where he got pushed into Ingram and it was annoying but I think he should have came back in but again I'm not gonna just continue you know critiquing mixed uh, minutes uh, that he's passing along especially now that Clark has been back but it was good to see Kaiman in for as much as he in but I would still like to see him come in during other stretches but. 
that's for Mick to figure out. And then again, we're missing Watson to injury, so it'll be curious to see how he comes back. But to your point, when Miles and and Clark are both in, the team's different. Um, and similar to the Hill effect we had last year. But those two players might end up being our most important players going down the stretch um, behind Tiger and Hawkins, obviously, and Juzang. But um, those two coming off the bench would be huge going forward. So I'm we're, curious to see we're gonna that. need we're We're going to need both of them this Saturday against SC. Um, we don't know if uh, Isaiah Mobley is playing or not. That's the the one big question is 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 he going to play? Because without him, they did not look very good against um, University of the Pacific. The Tigers really gave them a hell of a game and were up with only a few minutes left. So, um, you know, getting Mobley back is key for them. But regardless, we're going to need Miles's length and Clark's kind of athleticism on the perimeter to really help. Play some good defense on their on on their um, team. I think you know this is a this is kind of a revenge game. I think Mick needs to get this monkey off of his back, and this is an opportunity to where you know SC's really been struggling. They you know went from top five, ten or whatever they were at like they were ranked nine, I think. Yeah. At one point. No, no at five. Five. five, okay, top five, um, and they've just slid all the way down to 21 and are very close to being out, um, and it would be glorious for us to knock them out this week. Um, so there's, there's, there's that, you know, history now that we need to, that Mick Cronin needs to get his revenge, and he's come close. We've had some freak losses to them on last-minute three-pointers, which was the theme of our season last year, but... Um, this is a big game. It's another opportunity for UCLA to get a win against a ranked opponent, um, and make sure that we can, you know, kind of keep get uh keep these uh these W's in the the right column to to build up a resume for seeding. But um, it's it's gonna I, it's gonna be a good one. I think this is a, a game, regardless of how. Uh, USC has been struggling that they will be up for the game um, they will they're going to step up regardless of Mobley's availability or not um, you know the guys like uh, Boogie Ellis and um, he's been he's been a solid player for them uh, Drew Peterson has always been always goes lights out against us they're, they have guys who can hit shots and they're they're athletic um, so it, it, we're going to need Miles and we're going to need Jalen Clark to, to play um, extended minutes, hopefully. Um, and we're going to need our guys to hit some shots. I think Johnny Juzang needs to keep his uh, hot streak going from Stanford. Uh, he obviously did not have a great game down the stretch against ASU, but he really picked it back up against uh, Stanford. And that he's, he's a scorer, and that's what scorers do. I think he's a short memory and we'll keep going uh hopefully so um we're gonna need him and then you know obviously tiger to just not turn the ball over and control the the tempo i think we we control the tempo we we will win this game and um controlling tempo and playing playing hard on defense will win this game so i yeah it's a it's a big 
big rivalry game. What's up? I agree 100% tempo because that's the, what I saw got them back into Pacific. If we let them control tempo and go fast, then we're in trouble. But outside of that, I'm feeling good about it on my end. I think you and we're everything. Yeah, we're, we're a good team at controlling tempo. I mean, we'll grind people down. We just, you know, we need to get rid of the temptation to try to run, too, because we just, we, we don't do it well. Yeah, we don't. Um, so, big game. I am pretty stoked. I, I hope. I really want to see us beat these fucking clowns. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't handle I can't handle this another loss to them, and I I hope these guys are are up for it. Um, you would think that after a couple of years of losing to them, they were would finally say enough is enough and step up here. Yeah, here we are. Um, UCLA basketball looking to we we lost one streak, but we're looking to 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 start a new one and end one this Saturday. So. Let's let's yeah. go. Let's get our team going. So outside of that, doing a quick wrap up, the girls uh, got a win against Cal. Um, you know, Osborne is killing it. She's a national watch list. Uh, Thomas got her first triple double, which was cool to see. Obviously, this team is just touch and go uh, until players get healthy. Uh, and then I think outside of that, uh, you know, softball, softball starts. starts tonight. Yeah, and then gymnastics. Number three. Number three, gymnastics had a huge, high-scoring um, meet, you know, against a tough Utah, obviously a very elite Utah um, squad. So that was Jordan cool. Childs with their first perfect ten. First perfect ten, I think it was on the. Um, it was, she got a ten on not the beam, but what was it on? It wasn't the floor. Why am I blanking on? Regardless, she got a perfect ten. And I can't think right now. But anyways, so yeah, our sports are humming. And then men's volleyball is number two. They play Long Beach State. Um, so things it's number are, one. Yeah, that's going to be a big match. Yeah, they or they actually, UCSD. actually, they, yeah, sorry, they, they played UCSD. So now they have a big one coming up. Uh, um, yeah, and then uh, baseball's uh, starting up soon. We had the alumni game last weekend. Um, tennis is going. The golf teams have been playing. So a lot of stuff going on. And the Super Bowl is this weekend with um, the Bengals practicing on campus and the Rams practicing at the Rose Bowl. So it's a very um, UCLA-heavy Super Bowl in that sense, which is kind of cool. Shout out to Eli Apple, best UCLA best campus, no hat. I'm pretty sure he meant to find the emoji of a cap, but we'll take it. On the bars, yeah. So Jordan Child's got a 10 on the bars. Bars. Like, yeah, I was thinking of other B. So, but yeah, lots of things going on, but here we are, uh, beat SC week, and go Bruins. Go Bruins. We will catch you later.